Amen. How's everybody this morning? That's good to hear. It's good to hear. And before we get started, I wanted to uh, mention a friend of mine. Uh, he likes to be called Tom, but his name is Thomas. And uh, he is one of the radio DJs for Dead to Self Radio that our music's been played on it. But I think we'll just want, I feel led this morning just to pray for his uh, brother and his sister-in-law who have the, the COVID. And also I lift up my, my sister and my sister-in-law Sharon as well. So let's have a word of prayer, especially for all the people who are struggling and suffering throughout America today. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, first of all, for this day that you have made. Oh, God, and we rejoice, and we're so glad to be in it. Lord, I, I just I feel in my spirit the word you spoke to, I believe it was Elijah, but you said that uh, speak to the word, speak breath, your word says, Lord. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into the slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Lord, I speak the word of God over their lives today. Lord, I know that you are the God who heals. You're the God who delivers. Your word says that you were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of peace was upon you, God, and by your stripes we are healed. We claim victory over the works of the enemy. Bring life to our country, Lord. We praise you in Christ's name. And God's people said amen and amen. So if you have your Bibles this morning, go with me to the book of Psalms. And this morning we're going to be speaking on one of probably what I feel like is one of the most powerful Psalms in the, the entire Bible besides Psalms 23 we all know very well. And I've preached on this chapter several times as a pastor and I pray that God will continue to give me messages on this text because this this text is so powerful and it speaks to me so greatly and I just pray that it moves you in your spirit today and, and this is one of those messages that or texts that never get old my my preaching may get old but this this message will never get old God's word never dies amen so go with me to Psalms 91, and we're going to read verses 1 through 16. I think this is Miss, one of Miss Dola's favorite uh, chapters in the Bible as well. So I'm going to be reading this morning from the King James Version, that's okay, because I like the translation here. If you would, stand this morning for the reading of God's Holy Word. And once you find your place in Psalms 91, please say Amen. Now, honestly, I'm not going to be able to scratch the surface of what God has in this text today. And I'm not even sure if this is going to be a series or if I'm just going to speak on two verses. I guess we'll find out tomorrow when I'm in my prayer room and he gives me my next part or another sermon. Who knows? So maybe he just wants us to look at one part. I'm not sure. He, he wasn't really specific to me on this. He just wanted me to preach from this psalm. So here we go. If you got your place, say Amen. David said, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, and my God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, and from the noisome pestilence, 
He shall cover thee with thy feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the air that flieth by day, nor the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand. Everybody say, but. But it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thy eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Thou shalt bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. And thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shall thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long Life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Everybody say hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning, O oh God, for this 91st Psalm, Lord. Lord, I, I just wish I could just stand up here for hours and just preach on this message. That wouldn't be right, but, oh God, it would be awesome because your word is so powerful. There's so much here. There's not even no way that I could even scratch what you have for us today. But I'm going to give it my best shot to speak on what you've given me. Now, Lord, open our ears and open our eyes to see what it is you want us to see and hear today. Lord, speak through these lips of clay. Let the oracles of God be clear. And, Lord, hide your servant behind the cross. And we magnify you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. And amen, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Amen. So I guess the most important thing today would be to begin with the key. As you know, we live in a world that needs keys because people love to steal. But, but, but this is here for us if we had the key. The key to this text is, is, is not faith, and you would think that it, that, that it would be faith, but, but faith is kind of like what brings it to the door. But once you get at the door, you've got to have the key to enter this, this secret place of God, and, and that key is one word in our text that's called dwelleth, or the word dwells. He that dwells or dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. In, in other words, to, to make this very simple and to make it plain, if you and I are not dwelling here, then these are promises that we cannot tap into. Even though they belong to us, the key is that you have to dwell in the presence of God in order to receive these promises that belong to us. Now, they're not unreachable because we can all reach them, but we have to return to that place when we first came to know God, when we, when we were hungry for the word, when we longed to dwell in his presence. 
I think it was in the book of Revelation, Jesus says, remember the height from which you have fallen and repent and do the things you did at first. And if you don't repent, I will come and, and remove your lampstand from his place. And I think about Israel, how many times they, they chose to dwell in the presence of everything but the presence of God. And you have to understand that these were God's chosen people. But many times we find that the, the hedge of God's protection was removed from his people because they refused to bend their now knees to the Most High God, but to bend their knees to the bells and the little gods of the world. And God would remove his hedge and then they would fall into the hands of their enemy because they were not willing to dwell in the presence of God. But when they came to that place and they spent time with God dwelling with him like David, they would find that their, their enemies were no problem to defeat because God was with them. And we know that if God be for us, who can be against us? And so we come to the words of Christ, and, and he, he tells us that, 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 that many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out many devils and perform many miracles, but then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you, you workers of iniquities. And with that said, we find that Paul, he, he gives us very clear instructions throughout the New Testament on how we're called to live and how we're called to dwell with God and, and spend time in his word. For example, he tells us not to, to yoke up with, with the people of this world. He says in 2 Corinthians six fourteen and 15, he says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have a darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What, is, what does the... What does the believer have in common with the unbeliever? And when you see the word Belial, that, that's an unusual word. And, and what that is referring to is simply the children of the devil. When you look into the original Greek language, I believe the word is uh, Belier. Come on, amen. So Belial or Belier simply is referring to the, the children of wickedness. In fact, David today has drawn a, a very clear line in the sand for you and I by simply saying that these, these promises are for those individuals who are willing to dwell in the place of the Most High God. In other words, individuals who have made God their priority. Now, now this is difficult because we have the tendency to make our priorities everything but God until we actually need God. Isn't that interesting how, how people really don't need their pastor until they're going through something? Come on, amen. I can tell you from experience that, 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 that when people are in going through stuff, they're not looking for a lawyer. They're not looking for a bank. They're going to look for the pastor because the pastor spends time with who? The most high God dwelling. They know that, hey, if I need mountains to move, I'm going to call on someone who spends time with God. So we've got to make God our priority, and we have to ask ourselves, we have to be honest with ourselves with all integrity, do I put God first in my life over everything, including family, friends, or, or jobs, 
or whatever it may be that we put in front of God, or hobbies, or whatever it is, even TV. Because I know many of us, including myself, I, I will spend more time in front of a television than I do spending time in front of God. Come on, say amen or ouch. David said these promises belong. He says in Psalms 27 and 5, he said, For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. I will hide, he will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a, a rock. And when he speaks of rock, he is speaking of no other than Jesus Christ himself. I think it was Paul says, see, I, I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. But anyone who trusts him will never be put to shame. So we find that when you dive into the Hebrew word, looking into the word dwelleth, you find a simple Hebrew word. It's the word Yahshab. You could turn to your neighbor and say, y'all need to shop. Come on, Yahshab. And that simply means to, to sit down, first of all, in his presence. Sit down. We have no problem to, to pay our money to go to the picture show and sit there for two and a half, even three hours, sometimes two hours to watch a show. But sometimes we have problems sitting in the presence of God. And we want these promises dearly, but we don't want to spend the time that God is requiring us to spend with him. The, the word Yasha means to remain there. It means to settle there. It means to abide there continually. And it makes you help, it helps you understand when Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 that we are called to pray without ceasing. That means pray continually. And, and I know if you're like me, I may not be in my prayer room. I may not be right there in front of my word, but I could be going down the road, but I'm praying. Come on, amen. Lord, watch over me. I'm talking to God. I'm communicating to God. Lord, if there's something that I need to see, if there's something I need to do, speak to me. So I'm continually in prayer with God. Many times my wife will walk into the kitchen and I'm talking. And she's like, who are you talking to? I said, you know. You know who I'm talking to. I mean, I, 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 I have such a relationship with God that, that it becomes second nature for me just to talk out loud. Because when I'm in the prayer room, I'm having conversation with God. It's not always easy to hear him, oh, but I'm talking because I know that he's always listening to me. He may not speak as much as I want him to speak, but I'm continuing praying to God, talking to him. It's become part of my life. It should become part of your life because I want you to dwell in the presence of God because we're living in a time where you need his blessings on your life. So let me break it down in a way you can't miss it. This, this is not talking about once a month with Jesus. This ain't talking about once a week with God. This is talking about every single day of your life. The moment that your feet hit that floor, the moment that you're conscious that you are even breathing, you need to take just a second and say, Lord, Thank you for this day that you have made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Because I can promise you, he deserves all honor. He deserves all glory. Come on, amen. Because he holds our life within his hand. 
We need to be thankful that you and I are still healthy and strong, that we still can come to church and worship and not walk in fear. I remember it was, I think it was John, he says, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. That, that's a scary thing to think about. Many people, they, they have a reputation of being alive with God, but he's saying in reality, you're dead to me because you're never there for me. Now, this may seem silly, but I was really thinking about what does it mean to dwell, dwell. Come on, amen. I want to know what it means to dwell, dwell. I want to know the deep meaning. I want to know for myself. And so I know you're going to think I'm picking on somebody, and I'm not picking on somebody. Come on, amen. But, but when I think about dwelling, what comes to my mind is the word shopping. You hate me yet. Because when, when you think about shopping, it's all about dwelling there. Come on, amen. You know what I'm talking about. And, and, and it's, it's crazy how some people love to shop and they have no problem shopping for hours. Very content being there. Just dwelling. Come on, amen. It never gets old, and, and the man is scratching his head. How long did you say your, your grandmother shopped at that one store? That, come on, Emily. Like three hours in one store. Now, that's dwelling. Now, l- let me break it down to you in a way we can understand. Now, when men, we, we go shopping differently. We have in mind exactly what we want. We walk in, we go to that aisle where it's located, hopefully, and we find it, we grab it, we go to the checkout, we pay for it, we're gone. Is that true? But then I got to thinking, women dwell different than men dwell. But they both work. Because I have dwelled both ways. For example, on Monday morning every day for the past 16 years, I would go in the presence of God and I would dwell there for hours looking for something, not knowing what it's going to be. But if I ask my wife, what are you looking for? I don't know, but I know when I find it. Well, the same way with me. When I go before God, I'm not sure exactly what I'm looking for. I know I need a word from him, and I don't know which book. There's 66 of them here, but I'm going to dwell until he says, stop. Here we are, right here. While at the same time, I can dwell the other way, going before God, knowing exactly what I want. Because I have spent most of my last 20 years living in a, a lifestyle of pain. And so I will wake up in so much pain that I, I will go before God knowing exactly what I'm needing right now. I need some deliverance from this pain. I will get my deliverance and then I will go. Isn't it awesome how we can dwell quickly but also dwell for a long period of time and still get what we want? Because sometimes God knows our schedules. We make them. But sometimes we can just get up and say, God, you know, I'm busy today, but I'm going to catch up with you tomorrow. But I want to talk to you for just a little bit. I'm going to lay down some things, watch over my children, watch over my family. I got to go to work. I'm running late. I got up late. God's good with that. 
Because he knows you don't have to be in the prayer room to talk to him because you can continue that prayer on the way to work. I remember I was going to Dallas one time. The traffic was slow, and I'm just praising God, talking to God. And I look over, and this woman is pulled up to me. She rolled down her window going like this. I rolled my window down. I said, I may be crazy for God, but who are you crazy for? Because I was dwelling in the presence of God going downtown Dallas driving. One time. I have a prophecy that God gave me, and not very often will he ever give me something like that. But one time, I was going to Dallas, and I saw the vision of 911 before it happened. And it was so real that I pulled over on the side of the road in fear and went to the floorboard. And I got up, and everybody's going normal. I'm like, don't they see this? So I wrote it down. And sometime I may dig out this old prophecy and show you it is scary because it is like exact. It's talking about how the ashes will be piled up to the, the, to the bridle of the horse. It's crazy. But, but I saw it so clearly because I was dwelling in the presence of God. And he was speaking to me. And I went to my, my pastor. He said, oh, yeah, we don't really want to hear that. I went to somebody else. Oh, we don't really want to hear about it. I said, but, but God showed me something. It's coming. But see, the world today is not really hungry for a real word from God. But, 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 but I want to spend time with God. I want to dwell with God. I not only want a protection from God, but I want a word from the Lord. Are you with me this morning? So you have to ask yourself, where, where am I with God? Am I, am I walking with God? Am I dwelling with God? Am I spending time with God? Or am I just doing my own thing? When you look in the words of Jesus in John 15 and 5, I want you to look at something carefully here. We know this text, John 15 and 5. Jesus said, I I am the vine. You are the branches. Everybody say, if. There it is. If. If you will remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't know how many times I have prayed over the years that I would bear fruit for God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against this thing, there is no law. So I pray, God, I want to help me to bear good fruit. But Jesus himself has stipulations just like David, and he's drawn it in the sand. And he says this here, that, that, that if... If you will remain in me, I will remain in you, and you shall bear much fruit. In other words, unless I am working with you, you will not be able to produce the fruit that you desire to do. Because I don't know about you, it's hard to have peace and patience if I'm not walking with the, the Prince of Peace. Come on, amen. I have to be in his presence in order to have that. I can't bear fruit without God cutting off the junk in my life. The bad limbs that are not producing anything, he trims it off and all of a sudden as, he, as I spend time with him, he shows me things in his word that I need to cut off. And once I cut it off, then all of a sudden I begin to see those little buds show up and God began to produce fruits in my life. So I have to remain in Christ. But notice right here, Jesus, he does have stipulations. 
In other words, we, we have to be in the will of God in order to produce the things of God. If we learn anything today, we need to learn that we need to spend time with Him. Not just having our fire insurance. I want you to have that. But I want you to have the favor of God on your life. I want to share a story about a woman in the New Testament that I I believe that majority of the people here today have never even heard of. I want you to raise your hand today if you've heard of a woman in the New Testament named Anna. Got one? Let me tell you about Anna. I'm going to paraphrase this the best I can. Well, Anna, as a young lady, was married. And she was only married for like seven years. And her husband, he died prematurely. And so we find her now in the temple at 84 years of age. And, and so what that tells me that, that she had has spent like regular, uh, like 70 years in the presence of God, praying and fasting and seeking his will. Now, usually they got married around from, from 13 to 16, around that age back in that day. That seems early, but wasn't early back then. And so she has spent majority of her life, 70 to 75 years, in the presence of God praying, and then finally God uses her to do something mildly in the New Testament. We read in the book Luke Luke chapter 2, verse 37 and 38. It said, and then a a widow, and then was a widow, she was a widow until she was 84, and she never left the temple. Everybody say, she never left. Woo, man. That's been in 70-something years in church. You think our services are getting long. Seventy years, she never left the temple, but she worshiped night and day. She fasted and she prayed. And so she came up to them. The them is Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus. She came up to them at the very moment and she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, let's read Isaiah 54 and 5. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. So so here she is announcing basically the coming of the redemption of mankind. God used a woman... And, and she came and she encouraged Joseph and Mary. You know, there were, everybody's looking down on Mary anyway because here she is as a virgin. She's pregnant for nine months. And, 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 you know, it didn't look good. But the truth was she was carrying the Son of God. And so she was there to encourage Joseph and Mary. Isn't that amazing that she was used? And now we're reading about her testimony over 2,000 years ago since it's been written. See, her reward is great. Why? Because she, instead of going to find another husband, she said, you know what, basically, I'm going to just say it like this. I just need God. I've seen many women who lost their husband and never remarried. You know why? Because they say, you know what, I have a husband. I have God. And I'm satisfied with him. Come on, amen. Amen. And so she is now recorded because of her spending time with God. Now, let's look at the half-brother of Jesus. Y'all know who he is? His name is James. 
They called James camel knees because James was a man who spent so much time on his knees that he had these huge calluses <clears throat> on his kneecaps where he, if, if you ever saw his knees, he looked like a camel. So they called him camel knees, but camel knees, James, he says in James 4, 6 through 8, listen, because he, he is saying the same thing. He's confirming what God is teaching us today. He said he gives, he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture said that God opposes the proud, but what does he do? He shows favor to the humble. He shows favor to the humble. So what does he say next? Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Then he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. You come close to me and I'll come close to you. Do you see the relationship that he's trying to have with us? He, he don't want a relationship where his children are far away from him out of reach. There, there, nothing feels better than, than one, have one of my children come up to me, not me coming to them, but them coming to me and want to hug me. Just not because of money, not, but, but because they have love for me. God's no different. He's our father, and he's longing for his children today just to come before him and draw near to him, get close to him. I just wonder how long has it been since you just, just came before God and just was silent and just dwelt there and was content, nothing playing, just silence and just listening and see if you can hear that still, small voice from God. David said in Psalms 32 and 7, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and you shall, you shall surround me with songs of deliverance. But now we finally move to the second part of this, this psalm. The second part of verse 1, that is. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I was thinking about shadows, and what came to my mind was the fact that a shadow is only cast when something is in the light. And so to fall up under the shadow of God, that simply means one thing, that you are not only standing in his light, but he is standing in your presence with you. In other words, God is with you when you are dwelling with him. He goes with you. Does he not say, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you? In order to be under the shadow of God, God has to be right there with us. We may not see the shadow, but, but David, I know he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Are you with me this morning? I think about the words of Joshua. He said, No one... God says to Joshua, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. Because Joshua, like Moses, did what? He dwelled in the presence of the Most High God. And, and let me think, I want you to think about this. Think about if you could actually see God with you, 
how it would change your heart, give you new revelation about what he says in 2 Timothy 1 and 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. How, how could you ever be fearful when God is standing right next to you? Everywhere you go, we're driving to Dallas. He takes a step. Come on, amen. We go to Fort Worth. He already beat you there. He's right there with you. Everywhere you go, he's just he's there to protect you. And if something comes in, and he, he may give you a little test and lift up a finger just to let the enemy come in for a second to see if you will remain there. Come on, amen. Because sometimes he, I don't know why, but he loves to turn up the heat a little bit. When the heat comes up, you have the tendency to, to dwell everywhere but with God. But, but he wants to see the sincerity of our heart to see if we truly want to spend time with him today. And so Paul said, what shall we say then? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8 and 31. In other words, if we can keep in our mind that God is always with us continually, you and I will have supernatural confidence. While the world is shaking, you and I will have peace and confidence. Why ain't you scared? Because God is with me. How you know God's with me? Because I'm dwelling with him. The, the sheep, they, they find comfort with the shepherd. Because the shepherd has the power of his rod in his hand. And he knows how to use the rod. Even David killed a lion and a bear. Because in those days they had their sling, they had their, their sword, they had their, their, their staff, and they were able to protect the flock. And so the flock had confidence. And so when the shepherd would call their name, the sheep would recognize the voice and they would come running to him. And so when the shepherd would open up the gate, they would come in because they know his voice. Jesus said, my sheep, listen to my voice and I know them. The only way you're going to ever learn to hear from God is to spend time with God. It took me years to discern, is this me? Is this God? Or is this the devil? Have you ever thought that who's speaking to me? Because, you know, when something is speaking to you on the inside, you know that it's more than you. You just know this has got to be God speaking to me. I gave you all the math before. I guess I could share it with you again. But, but God gave me the math formula for this. Everything that God touches will multiply. Everything that the enemy touches divides and subtracts. So if you get a thought in your head like, I I'm just going to whoop him and his sister. Yep, this is going to help the church. That's division. Come on, amen. Or God says, you know what? Your friend's lost. I'm going to give you a word, and I'm going to give you the courage to go speak to that man and share him life. That's a word from God because God's trying to multiply the kingdom of heaven. See, the enemy's telling you, oh, you don't need to go. He'll figure it out. Division. Because he does not want, so we can hear God because if God is telling you to do something for the kingdom of God, I can promise you, it's God. It's God. 
So now we come to the second verse where David says he describes God as his home. He said that he's his refuge and his fortress. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress and my God in him will I trust. Now I want to share a mystery with you. Something that Jesus spoke out of the book of John, out of the book of Revelation, and then Paul confirms it. This is a mystery. First of all, Jesus says in the book of Revelation 3 and 20, he says, here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Hold that thought. Then he tells us in the book of John 14 and 20, he says, on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, do you not know that your bodies are what? The temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so when you put this formula together, what God is simply saying, you're not only in me, but I am in you and I am with you. You're in me, I'm in you, and I'm with you. In other words, I got you protected inside and out. You are covered from every attack of the enemy because the enemy don't just attack us on the outside physically. Come on, amen. But he loves to attack us where we live in our mind. Because if he can get in his mind, then he can cause you to lose faith where you become even more sicker. See, he, he, is a, he is a great device of bringing us down. But God's saying, listen, I got you covered. I, you're in my shadow. You're dwelling with me, and I have you covered inside and out. I'm in you, and you're in me. And, and no one can snatch you from the Father's hand. If you can see yourself today in the hand of God, the big hand of God, what could remove you from his hand when he is the greatest of all things? What can hurt you in there? What protection we have when we dwell in the presence of God? Because when you begin to spend time with God, God just takes his hand and just closes it over you. And you're just covered like that little bug that we picked up when we were kids. Can't hurt my June bug. I got him. Come on. That's my June bug. He's my friend. Come on, amen. You know how we play with bugs. I did. Mama said, you play with bugs more than any kid. And so this should give us peace, should it not? The ultimate security to have God inside and outside and around us continually. So Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, what does he say? Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God that passeth all understanding will guard what? Your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. What is it? Your mind, your heart, where you live on the inside? God is a good shepherd. Come on, amen. And so with that said, let's apply it now to the words of David. 
what we started with, Psalms 23. We didn't, we didn't read it, but we, we spoke about it. So David says, yea, though I walk, Psalms 23, 4 through 6, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What we talk about the lamb. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. God said, if you can realize how much peace you can have with me, you can sit in the camp of the enemy and just have your meal like it's no big deal. Swallow, no problem. No choking, no worries. Why? Because he's got you, right? Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth of over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God gave me a little revelation this week for the ending of this message. And it said, he said it's going to help us to understand the faith and the courage that David had, his confidence in the Lord. He said, if you and I, if, if, if we could actually see physically Goliath... If Goliath would actually walk into this building and we notice that David was just a little rudy young boy, and if we could see the faith of David, how he stood against this giant. We're talking about somebody whose head would hit these lights. No problem. He'd have to duck to go under them. You know, I saw something big out there in them woods. I'm going to talk about it, but I'm talking Goliath was bigger than that. I'm talking eight foot. We're talking ten foot. A huge man. Giant, like never before. And David, while the whole entire army is shaking in their armor in the ditches, David stands before this giant with nothing but a sling and stone. Why? Because he dwelt in the presence of God. The the more time you spend with God, the more courage, the more bold you will be. You will not fear death. You will not worry about death because the more time you spend with God, it gives you peace. Why am I going to be fear something that can't touch me? Even though my body one day will lay down, I'm still not fearful of that because I know to be absent from the body is to be present with the one who's been with me the whole time. God. I'm not saying being stupid to walk in the store and breathe in everybody's junk. No, wear your mask if it's safe. I don't know. I'm just saying don't put your trust in that as much as you're trusting in God. Say, God, I trust you. And we, I don't know if he's going to have me continue on this or not, but if he does, I can't wait to get to the part where it says 10,000 may fall before you and 1,000, whatever. You know what, I'm saying, what it said. In other words, people could be dying all around us. And we could still have peace and understanding that God is with me. Why? Because I'm dwelling with God. I won't be scared. Regardless how this world turns out, I won't be scared. Let's all stand.
Father, we thank you for your word. I think it was just a reminder of the, the importance of spending time with you. Because as we approach the holidays, we have the tendency to get busy more than ever in, in, in the entire year. But let, let us start, start our days with you. If we have to get up an hour earlier, that'd be good. We can go to bed earlier. But if we could just spend a little time with you, I think that our whole attitude would change toward life. You know, Bob, he fell off a ladder and died. So you think he's scared of a ladder now? No. Not scared of it because he knows the one who brought him up lives with him, dwells with him. If you're fearful today, I can promise you it's not God who's bringing fear. The Bible said that that perfect love drives out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Do you know that God loved you so much that he would send his only begotten son, that just whoever would believe in him would not perish? That's you, my friend. God came down to save sinners like us. In a time such as this. Father, we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. If someone needs prayer, I'm here for you. You can come see me. But Lord, we thank you for going with us, staying with us, living in us, living around us. I thank you that we're in the shadow of the Almighty. Father, I just saw just a few weeks ago this... This mother hen and her baby chicks were just out there in the, based on the edge of the wilderness. And this hawk came down. And that hen just put a whoop on that big hawk. Where that hawk was crying in the rocks. I'm thinking, Lord, if a, a mama hen can protect her babies, what can you do for me? Hallelujah. Father, we'll go with this today. We praise you now in Jesus' name. God's people said amen. Where's the table? It threw me off. Can y'all stay a few more minutes? Corona got everything mixed up. Even our table is missing. All right, new rule. (laughs) New rule. We may not put no things on the table. That would be my reminder. I'll see it there. Or trip over it or something. The Apostle Paul, he says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Can you open that for me? So man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, he eats and he drinks judgment upon himself. He said, that is why many among you are weak and many are sick and a number have fallen asleep. Oh, but if we would judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. So let's take a moment and and just judge ourselves if we would. Father... There's not a man, there's not a woman in this room today that knows that we all 
have sinned and we all have fallen short to the glory of God. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you are merciful, you are loving and kind. And so we confess our sins before you. Your word says if we'll confess our sins that you are faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all sins. Lord, I'm a sinner, huh? I admit it. I make mistakes as a man of God as any man would. But, Lord, I'm not trusting in horses. I'm not trusting in chariots. I'm trusting in the name that is above all other name, and that is the name of Jesus. And I thank you for the forgiveness of sins, and I thank you for the blood. Can I get an amen? So once you take the bread of life here, a symbol of life, and take it in your right hand and lift it. Paul says, for what I have received from the Lord, what I have passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we remember you today. We know that you were beaten and bruised, and you suffered severely, so we would not have to. We love you, and we receive it in Jesus' name. The apostle said in the same way. After supper, he took the, the cup. Saying, this is the cup in the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Peter said that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers. But it's with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. We just talked about how she announced, Anna, how she announced the Redeemer. When she meant Redeemer, she meant someone who would pay the price. Pay the price. The full price. No discount. He paid the full price. It took everything he had to give. His life. Every drop of blood to pay for you and I. And he was willing to lay it all down so we could live and think and remember him today. Father, we lift this up high in our right hand today in the mighty name of Jesus. I think we need to do that song sometime. What, what can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We receive it by faith and cover us in your grace today in Jesus' name. God's people say hallelujah. You guys have a great week. We'll see y'all next week.